1: already have and you could make a few small changes to get yourself on that path to wellness in my course i'll show you how to detox each and every room of your house and create a healthy home environment i really want to discuss where we're at in the world today health-wise you know physically mentally spiritually in your practice what are you seeing happening right now?
2: My personal opinion on how we got here as far as having all these chronic diseases boils down to a few things. So one is we live a very high stress life. My generation uh, was taught to, well, not all of us, but many of us have overworked themselves. Um, I went to school, right? Grad school three times, worked full-time, started a practice. And I thought that was, the best thing that I should have been doing for my health, and I ended up burning out. So I think we are exposed to stressors through various things the toxins that we're exposed to in the world, foods that we consume, electromagnetic chaos, even the computer we're both, you know, sitting in front of today. So I, I think stress, unfortunately, is one of the catalysts to <laughs> the increase of chronic diseases that we now have. Um, our world has become much more toxic. So that could be a second point in getting us as a society to where we are now. Again, pesticides and herbicides, various chemicals that are contaminated our foods, genetically modified organisms, uh, our immune systems are not recognizing. Modern conveniences, things like getting your suit dry cleaned, right, are not beneficial for our health. Right. Um, plastics are everywhere. I have an infant. So thinking of baby toys and teethers and things that he's putting in his mouth, and plastics are everywhere, uh, and we're passing on toxins to future generations. So, before I had a baby, my goal was to get healthy because I knew that I could be passing on toxins. Him and research has shown toxins from my mother (laughs) could be found in my bloodstream that I, you know, could be passing down to him. So, uh, even our our own National Institutes for Health and the CDC admits that 60 to 80 percent of all diseases, like cancer, can be linked to environment and lifestyle factors things like the foods we're eating, things like the toxins um, that are in the environment. So, I think the third thing that can contribute to all of these chronic diseases is nutritional deficiencies. Right. We don't realize how nutritionally deficient we are. And our mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of our cells, need nutrients. We need nutrients that are supposed to come from foods. And in an ideal world, they would. But I have patients who eat organic. They grow their food in their backyard, literally. And they're still nutritionally deficient. And I know this because I'm testing them. I can run a nutritional analysis. Even some of those patients need to supplement because our food sources are are just not as nutritionally dense as they used to be. Our soils are deficient and deficient soil is going to produce deficient um, foods. Mm -hmm. So I think high stress life, toxic world we live in, and add that to the nutritional deficiencies that we have. And we are set up again for having chronic diseases. So I think those are um, hugely three triggers contributing to that. And and I want to get
1: your intake on this because I think sometimes people just feel like this is normal. Do you sense that when you're working with your clients that even though they feel horrible and they have immune um, autoimmune disorders and you know some of the other things that we just mentioned that they really have adapted this opinion that but this is normal. Everybody feels like this. It's it's what it is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I have this conversation with my patients every day because they've been told after seeing their conventional doctor that their labs are normal and that they're normal, yet they don't feel normal. Normal is not okay. Normal mm-hmm. should not be, unfortunately, that's what's called common. Mm-hmm. Normal is not best. Optimal is best. <laughs> we want hormone levels at the high end of normal, right? Optimal is best. Normal is not okay. Normal does not prevent chronic disease. Normal is not going to help society. So unfortunately, I do have this conversation with my patients. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important to understand, um,
1: you know, for everyone to understand that. Can you talk to us about how the traditional medical society, if you know, um, when we get that labs done and we get those normal ranges like a high low and then you're given you're within this normal what is
2: that range how do how do they determine what that range is sure so i'll give you an example that i give a lot of my patients so if we're speaking of thyroid hormone levels for instance uh many times first tsh is tested tsh is a brain hormone right it's Mm -hmm. not a thyroid hormone it's actually a brain hormone and many patients, unfortunately, have been told they have a normal TSH and therefore they're told their labs are normal. They have no thyroid condition. I think TSH stands for too slow to help. Uh, <laughs> my, late, my late mentor, Joe Collins, actually made that up. He taught me by the time TSH is high, by the time it's actually in the range where doctors are considering it abnormal, thyroid hormone levels like T4 and T3 have likely been low for a very long time. That patient could be tired and overweight and losing hair and constipated and having memory fog. So we need to not only rely on TSH first, but secondly, when assessing T4 and T3, what I do as advised by Joe Collins as well, is I plot out those labs on a bell-shaped curve for my patients. And I say, here's a bell-shaped curve, right? Here's the whole large normal reference range, If their T4 and T3 are at the very low end of that range, they're still considered normal. But if they're at the fourth percentile or the 10th percentile, that's not acceptable. That's not optimal. And the analogy I like to give with my patients is if your child came home and scored a 4% on their test or a 10% on their test, would that be acceptable? No, you want them to hopefully (laughs) get more than a C and they want to be more than the 75th percentile. You want to see that, um, that score on that test at the 90, 95th percentile. So when we're assessing labs from a functional medicine standpoint, we want to see labs that usually at the high end of that bell-shaped curve, the high end of the reference range, not just within the normal range. And this would apply to even vitamin D. You don't want your vitamin D just 30, just hovering within the normal range, which is considered acceptable and normal from a conventional medical standpoint. We want that vitamin D higher end of normal. Same thing for the thyroid hormone levels. We want them high end of that normal range. So From a functional medicine interpretation standpoint, uh, we're looking at those labs differently. And we know that many of those reference ranges, even if we think of the testosterone reference range for a woman, we have the same reference range given by labs for a five-year-old and a 95-year-old. So the lab ranges need to be more clearly defined per per age range, right? (laughs) Um, So sadly, uh, hopefully in the future, those ranges will be more better defined and we'll know what optimal is. The lab ranges that many conventional hospitals and labs are providing are not necessarily reflective of what me as a functional medicine provider thinks is optimal for their patients.
1: And what a great analogy with the test, you know, with your children. I mean, that really can put it into perspective that we can understand that, oh, that makes sense. And I've had it explained to me as well in terms of, you know, these these low and high end, you know, the high, high is thrown out, the low, low is thrown out. And we're taking the average, you know, of people across say the US, well, when 60% of us have a chronic disease, do I even want my test scores being <laughs> related to people who are sick. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, Mm -hmm. this is not, you know, optimal test function. So the more we can talk about this, and the more people understand this, then we can have a voice here and demand
2: better out of our out of our medical community, don't you think? Absolutely. And I think functional medicine is now becoming a little more, I guess, popular, because many patients are now knowing they have to become advocates for themselves. Uh, an analogy that I use in my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, is comparing conventional medicine to the fire department. We have an awesome fire department in this nation. If I get in a car accident, I take me to the nearest hospital, I know I'm going to get great care, right? right. But the fire department has two tools, an ax and a hose. So they're great at putting out fires, but they don't necessarily have the tools to help a patient repair and rebuild the body. And that's what I believe functional medicine providers can do. Providers like myself serve as a carpenter or a contractor to help patients rebuild the body after that fire. So we need both. We need the fire department. We need conventional medicine, but we need functional medicine to serve as being that contractor our carpenter for the patient. I love that. And let's just take that
1: thought process a little bit further. And we're kind of going into day two's you know, uh, information too in, in our conversation just automatically here. But what about preventative? We deal so much with that reactive state that's what you're talking about right now you know we had something happen to us that woke us up and now we need to handle the body and get it back into a healed you know state with functional doctor but does your practice also does your does your practice <laughs> does your practice also get us in a preventative state so it doesn't if someone is not in a chronic state yet that they can work with their body to keep it in optimal
2: health? So ideally, that's what we would be doing, yes. So unfortunately, it takes many times one of the family members to have a chronic illness, to come see a functional medicine provider, to learn they have to change that kind of way of thinking that now I do need to spend money on my on my health because <laughs> I need to <laughs> end time, take right. supplements and change my diet and whatnot and detox my body to get my health back, but then that gets them thinking, okay, what about my other family members? Like my children, right? Maybe right. I should have their hormone levels tested or their nutrient levels tested. So many times in my practice, once one individual has been sick, then that light bulb, you know, happens <laughs> um, right. with the other family members and they do many times it's, it's menopausal women who have been through the ringer. They've had so many hormone challenges that they now want their younger daughters, hopefully <laughs> to not go through what they've gone through. So they do bring them. And, in a perfect world, we would be assessing all of the things that functional medicine can provide starting in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. So we can track changes. We can track subtle changes. We can track thyroid decline, whatnot. We can track if patients are developing new food sensitivities. Preventative medicine is best. It would save time and money and resources, but not everyone (laughs) thinks that way. I well, had a health problem, and right, <laughs> now they have to. Yeah. Right, absolutely.
1: So, talk to me. It, it, if someone is coming in, you know, and this is going to get diving deeper into how the body works. But I've heard you talk about, you know, thyroid testing, hormone testing. What other type of testing would you do? It, I want to get into how the body works. So, if you're trying to assess someone, where are you
2: looking first? So it depends on the symptoms that the patient's presenting with. And in my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, I do, I created this analogy where I'm comparing how we maintain our homes to how we should be maintaining our body. And so chapter one in my book is chapter one for a reason. And so that is typically where we do start. So chapter one is all about comparing the foundation of the home because you Mm -hmm. have to have a strong foundation upon which to build a house. If you don't, the the house will crumble. (laughs) Uh, I compare that to the gastrointestinal system in the body. So typically within functional medicine, regardless of the complaint, we are assessing gut health. We're looking to see if there's inflammation in the gut, gut infections, things like yeast overgrowth, food sensitivities, patients need to be avoiding gluten, dairy, sugar, yeast, whatnot. But that's not, always what we only start with. So if I know a patient has had mold exposure, I'm going to be looking for mold toxins. If I know they've had a lot of heavy metals, we'll be be looking for that. If I know they're of menopausal age or have hormone concerns, we're going to dive into hormones as well. So I think starting with gut health is foundational, but normally I take, when my patients come to see me, we start with a couple of those steps in the blueprint.
1: I, I love that, the, the setting, the foundation. And I hear so many times uh, in my world over and over and over again, gut health is almost always the starting point. Um, you know, and, and that, and, and, it just rings true again with what you just said, Stephanie, um, thank you so much. So tell us about, we talked about how the body, you know, functions in the way that, you know, the gut health is, is affecting all these other symptoms in the body, right? So if the gut health is in good order, the hormones are going to be,
2: you know, less likely to be out of sync. So if your gut is inflamed, I tell patients, sometimes they don't understand how can eating sugar or eating gluten cause a hot (laughs) flash, right? So when you're eating foods that are inflammatory for you, those are stressors on your body. Mm -hmm. Stress, stressors on your body can rob you of things that are important, like hormones. Um, In short, that's how eating a certain food can stress the body, leading to low hormones, which can then induce symptoms like low hormone symptoms, including hot flashes, whatnot. Right. when you have food sensitivities, also the absorption of nutrients from your foods is not optimal. So you might not be getting, unfortunately, our food sources are already not as nutritionally dense as they used to be. And then you compile that with poor absorption in the gut if your gut's inflamed. And that's kind of setting the scene for a disaster from a nutritional standpoint. So that's why so many patients do need to supplement, especially as they are healing their gut. And as their absorption improves, many times we can back off on the amount of supplements they're taking. I love
1: that. So your modality is is functional medicine, and we've been talking a lot about that already. Um, so we're starting with the foundation of the house, and you know, we're going to the gut. Where are we going to move to? You know, next in our journey of health with
2: it, with someone. Sure. So because my specialty is optimizing hormones, many times that is the next step. Optimizing hormones can get patients feeling better, usually pretty quickly. And if I can get them feeling better, that's going to motivate them to continue with clean eating or maybe move on to the next step, which is maybe detoxing their body. It, I like to meet patients where they're at. So some patients want to improve hormone health next. Some don't. So it really depends on the patient. But in my practice, I see a lot of endometriosis, a lot of infertility, uh, heavy bleeding, uh, also fibroids and cysts. I see breast cancers, a lot of hormone driven concerns, hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, low libido, fatigue, memory fog, and so if we can improve those symptoms. That's quite a list. <laughs> and I, I mean, I could keep going, PMS, <laughs> uh, depression and anxiety, what that, headaches before bleeding or headaches with ovulation. So uh, usually a next step really does involve lab assessment, which will mm-hmm. include that assessment of hormones. Because we need to see where the patient's at. We need to see their baseline. And then we can track improvement from that. Right. Well, in lab assessment, that really strikes me
1: because if we're just stabbing out there, like, say, I have done, you know, over my journey, it's like, oh, maybe it's this. And and so we try, you know, and we implement something else. Talk to us about the importance of establishing those baselines and why we want to get tested, um,
2: what that's going to do for us in that health journey. Sure. So in my book, the way that I relate this is we each have a fingerprint, right? And your fingerprint is a unique detailed marker of human identity. There is no one that is like you. We all are created unique and different um, by God, I believe. So same on your test results. Your test results are going to show your functional medicine provider what makes you different, right? Maybe your doctor thinks you have low estrogen, but you have high estrogen. Mm-hmm. Without, without that data, we're not going to know how to treat you. If something's wrong with your car you take it to the shop, the mechanic runs a test and they figure out you know how to treat the car. Same is true with your body. But many times with conventional medicine, you're sent to the doctor, you don't feel well, and you're put on an antidepressant, right? Or a sleeping pill, whatnot. They're not running tests to figure out what has gone awry in the body. So with functional medicine, there's great value. The testing that we offer is a little different. We can dive deeper into gastrointestinal health or looking for toxins. I live in Iowa, and I had several farmers come in. (laughs) They know that they have been just coated in glyphosate and various chemicals and herbicides and pesticides. And guess what? We can test for those. We can test to see if they have accumulated a very large burden of those chemicals throughout their life and then work to detox them. So there's huge value in testing. Uh, Because it provides, again, that contractor, the plan to help rebuild the patient's health. Learn the five pillars of living a toxin-free
1: lifestyle so that you can prevent chronic disease, reverse chronic disease, and renew your focus, energy, and live a long, healthy life. My brand new book, The Toxin Terminator, a bestseller, is now available, and it's going to walk you down the path of a toxin-free lifestyle and give you the tools to detox and cleanse your life and environment, as well as share the stories of so many who have struggled with their health just like you and me. Grab your copy at www.aimeecarlson.com. That's just amycarlson.com. So, let's go into our final day now, which is I want you to share your personal story. Um, I want you to talk about why you're so passionate about what you do. Um, sure. you know I know that you you know you're in your practice and you you specialize in hormones, but you've also written a book and you've started your podcast so I, I, you know you definitely have passion on your heart for what you're doing, sure,
2: so my story. I alluded to a little bit earlier, just I had a very high stress job. I still do, which I'm, this is a journey. Reducing stress is a journey. It's not something that just you wake up one day and you don't have stress, right? That's something that I'm constantly working on. But I was in grad school, starting a practice. I had a lot going on. Um, I was also trying to conceive, uh, got married and was ready to start a family. And uh, one day sitting at my desk, literally after seeing patients, had a great morning, thought nothing was wrong, sat down, and my heart started beating very fast, Mm -hmm. almost lost vision. I tried to buzz my husband on the phone. He's our office manager at my practice. And I couldn't, I was so disoriented. I couldn't even, I didn't even know how to do it. Uh So I leaned back in my chair, put my hand on my chest, and I realized, okay, my heart rate's really high. What am I going to do here? I'm short of breath. I'm dizzy. (laughs) Am I having a heart attack? (laughs) You know, what's going on? Uh, I got enough strength to walk through my office door down the hall and my nurse found me very pale. Long story short, I ended up in the emergency room with tachycardia, which I'd never experienced before. So my heart rate was through the roof and I was sent to Mayo Clinic. I saw a local cardiologist. they I was not a candidate for an ablation. The area that I was having the arrhythmia from, they, they couldn't zap per se like some patients can can have done. Um, so I was sent to me a clinic and essentially I was after running a battery of tests, I was told you can take a medication to control your heart rate. And I knew that taking a medication wasn't going to tell me why this was happening to me. Sure, it could help, right? Mm -hmm. There's a time and place for medications, absolutely, but I knew there was more to my story. And so I during this time (laughs) wanted to streamline a process of what all functional medicine can offer for patients because it can be very overwhelming. We alluded to several tests already that can be run on patients. And so my husband said, you need to take some time um, to reduce your stress and <laughs> try to create some sort of roadmap or blueprint for your patients to explain all of what functional medicine can offer for them. So I sat down, I came up with this blueprint analogy, and I thought, okay, we're going to start working you through this process, right? I needed the blueprint just as much as my patients did. So long story, I'm trying to turn short here. Uh, also, at that time, I had lots of palpitations. And many of the palpitations were a result of gas trapped, I had such upper GI fullness and just need to burp and when I would burp, the palpitations would go away. I ended up having small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So I tested myself for celiac and I was hoping that my testing would be negative, it came back positive weak positive, but yet positive. So I did go CGI and I had a biopsy. My biopsy was negative. So I did not have damage to my intestinal lining yet, but clearly I was on the way. So I I started noticing if I ate anything that was contaminated with gluten right after the meal, boom, 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 my heart would race. And so I started kind of learning, okay, I need to change my diet. All these things I had been advising my patients to do, I needed to do. I had been 80% gluten-free, but not a hundred percent. So I needed to take gluten 100% out of my life. Um, I was struggling with infertility at the same time, right? Unexplained infertility. I had been seen in three states, multiple doctors, um, went to University of Iowa, had an IVF consult. And I'm thinking, I can't believe I run a hormone clinic and I'm considering IVF right now. I mean, I I have the tools necessary, <laughs> but I wanted a baby, right? But guess what? My body was stressed and inflamed and, and toxic. <laughs> um, so I had a lot of work that I needed to do. So even things like removing chlorine-soaked tampons from my life, right? Not using toxic personal care products was really important. I ended up, I ended up having endometriosis as well. So I discovered a lot in a few years, mm-hmm. a lot of things that needed to be changed. And I, I absolutely needed to reduce stress as well. Um, I needed to take progesterone, which I give many of my patients. And in fact, I, I also required progesterone through my whole pregnancy. So I was in such a stressed state. I had very low progesterone, which is required to get pregnant and to sustain pregnancy. I had no problems with ovulation. I didn't need to take anything to help there, but my progesterone was just not where it needed to be. So um, through my book, I I weave a bit of my journey, what I needed to do, treat the SIBO, go gluten-free, obviously change a lot of personal care products and reduce stress uh, and take progesterone. And those are probably five of, you know, 20 things that that I needed to do. But I ended up getting my heart rate under control. I don't take any medication for my heart rate. Um, I was able in 2018 to conceive, and I delivered a healthy, beautiful baby boy, February of 2019. He's just over a year old now. So I am absolutely a walking, living testimony for how functional medicine has improved my quality of life and hopefully will prevent my risk of chronic disease. So for those who are listening, if you don't have hope, know that hope exists. You just have to find a detective. You have to find a functional medicine provider who can help you explore possible root causes of your illness because problems have solutions. My my son, I, I read a book too called the, the Pout Pout Fish Cleans the Ocean. I don't know if you've heard of that book, but uh, the, the book is essentially about pollution in the ocean and fish, um, finding that they were the problem and they need to clean up the the pollution, the mess they've made. But the, the, the book ends with saying that problems have solutions. So we can learn what we can do together. We're the answer, would you like to join us too? And I I love that answer because, you know, we in a way have contributed to (laughs) our risk of chronic disease and we're the solution as well. We do need to reduce stress. Like I needed to, and there are choices we can make to reduce our incoming toxic burden. There are choices we can make with the foods we're putting in our mouth. So we are a part of the solution to our health. We just need a guide. We need a carpenter or a contractor to help us, again, find the root cause of the problem and help guide us along that path to healing. So that path exists. Just have to find someone who can help. And I believe functional medicine providers can help. Stephanie, that's amazing.
1: Um, Dr. Gray, you've done such a fabulous job. And I'm so impressed with how many providers, it's just like the person who works on cars for a living, most generally their car itself has the most problems. And so many people in Uh, the medical community, the health related community, we're so busy taking care of everyone else that sometimes we are the last person that get that care. And I love you sharing that personal story, how you put yourself right in the mix. I'm developing this blueprint, first and foremost, for my patients, but I got to go through this myself. Um, What a fantastic testimony.
2: And experiencing ailments, you know, makes me well want my patients, you know, not be perfect. Sometimes they think, Oh, she must not have any problems. <laughs> but no, like you said, sometimes we have the most problems. <laughs> and it's great for me to have experienced that state of desperation. And to be able to emphasize with my patients on, wow, I need help. I need help now. Like I, I would have done anything right. to get that heart rate to calm down. Right. Uh, but with all of our journeys, there's something that I believe we're being taught. And there, there is a blessing that we need to share with others. And so through my blueprint and being able to, to help myself, uh, I hope this blueprint now will translate into helping the lives of many others.
0: I know it will. I know it will.